Welcome to the Decision Intelligence Podcast with Cassie Kozrakov. Here's Understanding Data, Musings on Information, Memory, Analytics, and Distributions, read for you by the author. Everything our senses perceive as data, though storage in our cranial wet stuff leaves something to be desired. Writing it down is a bit more reliable, especially when we write it down on a computer. When those notes are well organized, we call them data, though I've seen some awfully messy electronic scribbles get the same name. I'm not sure why some people pronounce the word data like it has a capital D in it. We need to learn to be irreverently pragmatic about data. So this is an article to help beginners see behind the curtain, and to help practitioners explain the basics to newcomers who show symptoms of data worship. If you start your journey by shopping for datasets online, you're in danger of forgetting where they came from. I'm going to start from absolute scratch and show you that you can make data anytime, anywhere. I grabbed some perennial denizens out of my larder and arranged them in a pile on my floor. Things like Cheerios, Pernutra, yes I'm South African, Marmite, yes I'm double South African, salt, buckwheat, butter, yogurt, chickpeas, and all kinds of other goodness. In the article you'll see a photograph of them lying there. That photograph is data. It's stored as information that your device uses to show you pretty colors. If you're curious to know what the images look like when you can see the matrix, Glance at my intro to supervised learning. That article is titled Explaining Supervised Learning to a Kid or Your Boss. Next up, let's make some sense out of what we're looking at in this photograph. We have infinite options about what to pay attention to and what to remember. Here's something I see when I look at the foodstuffs. Now you can see an image with numbers overlaid over it. If you close your eyes, do you remember every detail of what you just saw? No, me neither. That's pretty much the reason we collect data. If we could remember and process it flawlessly in our heads, there'd be no need. The internet could be one hermit in a cave recounting all the tweets of humankind and perfectly rendering each of our billions of cat photos. Because human memory is a leaky bucket, it would be an improvement to jot the information down the way we used it when I went to school for statistics, you know, back in the dark ages. That's right, my friends, I still have paper around here somewhere. So I'm gonna take these numbers, which are the weight in grams of each foodstuff, and that's the thing I chose to pay attention to, and I'm going to write these down on a piece of paper. This is data. Remind me why we're worshipping it? Data are always a caricature of reality made to the tastes of a human author. This one's full of subtle choices. Shall we record dry weight or wet weight? What to do with volume units? Also, I might have made mistakes, how do you know? If you inherit my data, you can't trust your eyes unless you know exactly what happened in the data collection. Now, what's great about this written down on paper version, relative to what's in my hippocampus or on my floor, is that it's more durable and reliable. We take the memory revolution for granted since it started millennia ago, with merchants needing a reliable record of who sold whom, how many bushels of what. Take a moment to realize how glorious it is to have a universal system of writing that stores numbers better than our brains do. When we record data, we produce an unfaithful corruption of our richly perceived realities. But after that, we can transfer uncorrupted copies of the result to other members of our species with perfect fidelity. Writing is amazing. It's little bits of mind and memory that get to live outside our bodies. And when we analyze data, we're accessing someone else's memories. Now worried about machines outperforming our brains? Ha! Even paper can do that. These 27 little numbers that I wrote down are a big lift for your brain to store, but durability is guaranteed if you have a writing implement at hand. Now, while this is a durability win, working with paper is annoying. 
For example, what if a whim strikes me to rearrange them from biggest to smallest? Abracadabra, paper, show me a better order. No? Darn. You know what's awesome about software? The abracadabra actually works. So let's upgrade from a paper to a computer. Ah, spreadsheets. Baby's first data wrangling software. If you meet them early enough, they seem friendly by dint of mere exposure. Spreadsheets are relatively limited in their functionality though, so I personally prefer to oscillate between R and Python. In the article, I'm going to give R a little whirl. You can follow along in your browser with Jupyter, click on the with R box in the link in the article, and then hit the scissors icon a few times until everything's deleted. Congrats, it took five seconds and you're all set to paste in my code snippets and run them. The first code snippet shows me creating a variable called weight and then writing one line of code to reorder that weight variable from largest to smallest and print it out. What you'll notice is that R's abracadabra for sorting your data is not actually that obvious if you're new around here. Well, that's also true of the word abracadabra itself, and it's also true of the menus in spreadsheet software. You only know those things in the first place because you were exposed to them, not because they're universal laws. To get things done with a computer, you need to ask your resident soothsayer for the magic words or gestures and then practice using them. My favorite sage is called the internet. It knows all the things. To accelerate your wizard training, don't just paste the magic words. Try altering them and see what happens. For example, what happens if you change true into false in my code snippet? Isn't it amazing how quickly you get the answer? One reason I love programming is that it's a cross between magic spells and Lego. If you've ever wished you could do magic, just learn to write code. I mean, here's programming in a nutshell. Ask the internet how to do something, take the magic words you just learned, see what happens when you adjust them, and then put them together like Lego blocks to do your bidding. Awesome. Now, the trouble with these 27 numbers is that even if they're sorted, they don't mean that much to us. As we read them, we forget what we just read a second ago. That's human brains for you. Tell us to read a sorted list of a million numbers, and at best, we'll only remember the last few. We need a quick way to sort and summarize so we can get a handle on what we're looking at. That's what analytics is for. With the right incantation, we can instantly know what the median weight is. Median, by the way, means middle thing. Turns out our answer was 284 grams. And all I needed to type was median, open brackets, weight, close brackets. Who doesn't love instant gratification? There are all kinds of summary options. Min, max, mean, median, mode, variance, try them all. Or try this single magic word and find out what happens. Summary. By the way, these things are called statistics. A statistic is any way of mushing up your data. But that's not what the field of statistics is about. Learn about the academic discipline in my article, Statistics for People in a Hurry. Plotting and visualization. This section isn't about the kind of plotting that involves world domination. Stay tuned for that article. It's about summarizing data with pictures. Turns out a picture can be worth more than a thousand words, one per data point, and then some. In this case, we'll make one that's only worth 27 weights. If we wanted to know how the weights are distributed in our data, for example, are there more items between zero and 200 grams, or between 600 grams and 800 grams, a histogram is our best friend. Histograms are one way among many of summarizing and displaying our sample data. Their blocks are taller for more popular values of the data. Think of bar charts and histograms as popularity contests. To make one in spreadsheet software, the magic spell is a long series of clicking on various menus. In R, it's faster. You just type the four letters H-I-S-T, 
open brackets, wait, close brackets. Our one-liner got us a, well, I guess fairly ugly histogram of the weights. Check out the article if you want the visual. And it is one ugly histogram, but then I'm used to the finer things in life, and I know the beauty of what you can do with a few more lines of code in R. Eyesore or not, it's worth knowing how easy the basics are. So what are we looking at here? On the horizontal axis, we have bins. You can think of them as tip jars, if you prefer. <laughs> tip jars are nature's histograms and bar charts, if you like. Those tip jars are set to 200 increments by default, though we can change that if we wish. On the vertical axis are the counts. They're higher as more coins went in there. How many times did we see a weight between 0 and 200 grams? Our plot says 11 times. 11 coins in that tip jar. How about between 600 grams and 800 grams? Only one. And that's uh, the table salt, if memory serves. We can choose our bin size. The default we got without filling the code is 200 gram bins, but maybe we want to use 100 gram bins instead. No problem. Magicians in training can tinker with my incantation to discover how it works. Do check out that code snippet if you're interested. And here's a result. I made the plot prettier, I colored it in, and now we can clearly see that the two most common categories are 100 to 200 and 400 to 500. Does anybody care? Probably not. We only did this because we could. A real analyst, on the other hand, excels at the science of looking at data quickly and the art of looking where the interesting nuggets lie. If they're good at their craft, they're worth their weight in gold. What is a distribution? If these 27 items are everything we care about, then this sample histogram I've just made also happens to be the population distribution. That's pretty much what a distribution is. It's the histogram you'd get if you applied hist to the entire population, all the information you care about, not just the sample, the data you have on hand. There are a few footnotes, such as the scale on the y-axis, but we'll leave those for another blog post. Please don't hurt me, mathematicians. A distribution gives you popularity contest results for your whole population. It's basically the population histogram. Horizontal axis, population data values. Vertical axis, relative popularity. If our population is all packaged foods ever, the distribution would be shaped like the histogram of all their weights. That distribution exists only in our imaginations as a theoretical idea. Some packaged food products are lost to the mists of time. We can't make that data set even if we wanted to, so the best we can do is make guesses about it using a good sample. What is data science? There is a variety of opinions, but the definition I favor is this one. Data science is the discipline of making data useful. Its three subfields involve mining large amounts of information for inspiration, that's analytics, making decisions wisely based on limited information, that's statistics, and using patterns in data to automate tasks, that's machine learning and AI. All of data science boils down to this. Knowledge is power. The universe is full of information waiting to be harvested and put to good use. While our brains are amazing at navigating our realities, they're not so good at storing and processing some types of very useful information. That's why humanity first turned to clay tablets, then to paper, and then eventually to silicon for help. We developed software for looking at information quickly, and these days the people who know how to use it call themselves data scientists or data analysts. The real heroes are those who build the tools that allow these practitioners to get a grip on information better and faster. By the way, even the internet is an analytics tool. We just rarely think of it that way because even children can do that kind of data analysis. 
Memory upgrades for all. Everything we perceive is stored somewhere, at least temporarily. There is nothing magical about data, except that it's written down more reliably than brains manage. Some information is useful, some is misleading, the rest is in the middle. Same goes for data. We take our amazing biological capabilities for granted and exaggerate the difference between our innate information processing and the machine-assisted variety. The difference is durability, speed, and scale. But the same rules of common sense apply in both. So why do those rules go out the window at the first sign of an equation? I'm glad we celebrate information as fuel for progress. But worshipping data as something mystical makes no sense to me. It's better to speak about data simply, since we're all data analysts and always have been. Let's empower everyone to see themselves that way. I'm Cassie Kozrakov, and this was Understanding Data, read for you by the author. See you next time on the Decision Intelligence Podcast.